Remember, remember always that all of us, and you and I especially, are descended from immigrants and revolutionists. Franklin D. Roosevelt, 32nd U.S. President. Chapter 8. How to Avoid Five Years Worth of Immigration Hassle. Your U.S. Business Visitor Essential Documents Checklist. I created the Canadian American Dream as part of my mission to provide substantial value and add a spice of entertainment factor to what could potentially be a very testy and quite frankly anxiety-filled process for many Canadians like myself who are where I once was in terms of the business visa process. If there is one thing that I have noticed that will make your border crossings much more pleasant and with a lot less resistance, it would be ensuring that you have an overwhelming amount and a variety of printed documents. When you require entry into the United States and you're traveling with the intent of conducting business or search for new business opportunities, it would greatly benefit you to carry with you copies of many different types of documents, not just your passport, your plane ticket, and your lodging accommodations. When you start doing this, you're no longer a tourist. Unfortunately, we learned this the hard way as we made many mistakes Even up until this year when we last entered the United States, I've put together a checklist of documents I believe you should carry with you everywhere in paper format, okay? Even though we live in a technology-driven world, when you're at the U.S. port of entry, okay, whether it's at the airport or at the land border, you should assume that your mobile device is useless because they ask you to shut it off. You must have them turned off, and as such, you must treat the situation as if digital screens don't exist, so you must carry paper copies with you like it's 1998 again. In our case, when we last weighed our stack of documents, it weighed just under three pounds. Now, you don't need to have that going off the script here. Your stack of documents don't need to weigh three pounds, but when you have 10 years of immigration records and you know the kinds of questions that they're asking... Half those three pounds are for questions that you know they'll be asking, and the other uh, 1.5 pounds is for questions that they might ask that they haven't asked yet. So we have somewhere around 100 sheets of paper, all printed with various copies of documents we may or may not have to show. Of course, this doesn't mean you need to have three pounds of documents, but you do need to have most of the ones on this checklist at a minimum. We learned in the five years we have traveled under a business visitor visa, different customs and immigration officers will want to see some documents, but not others. As you build up your immigration record and hopefully you attain that e-visa on the first try, you will notice they will start asking you to provide them with documents as evidence of your intent and travel plans, which they did not ask before. I'm not sure why they do this, but I suspect it's because every time you show them documents, they annotate them and copy a summary of the data into their internal computer. So over time, you find yourself carrying more and more documents because the last time you traveled, you may not have had something they asked for. Providing them with copies of your documents, supporting your business uh, travel intent should always be the number one thing you Think about when arranging your evidence as you prepare for travel. Of course, the story and the words you use are important, but so are the documents. Your documents show certainty and they keep you calm. If you're admitted on a business visitor visa, 
Your story and your documents should reflect on one another. But without the documents, your story is just words. So look at it as if your documents are concrete evidence of your intent when you find yourself and you will get the first few times to be anxious, nervous, or even forgetting parts of your story. At the port of entry or the airport pre-clearance facility, when interviewed by immigration officials, your reasons for travel should tell a story that shows you have an intent to return to Canada, regardless of how much business you plan on generating in the U.S. Okay, the truth is you will not know if what you find in the U.S. to invest will be enough for you to qualify or even want an entrepreneur visa. So telling the immigration officer that you wish for a business visitor visa to enter the U.S. to apply for an e-visa later can be problematic unless they admit you into the United States with a B-1 and then recommend or tell you something along the lines of you have all the right documents. You have to apply for an e-visa when you get to your destination. That's when you say, OK, I will. Thank you. That's what we did. That's what happened to us. Your story and documents should only fit a narrative that goes as far as you appearing to be a Canadian entrepreneur, business owner, or investor who wishes to pursue and invest in business opportunities in one or two places in the U.S. That should be your truth, and I will not guide you otherwise. Listen, that has to be the truth. That's as far as you have to take it. Even if you're eager, even if you know in the back of your mind that you're going to be doing this in the future, you cannot overtly state that, okay? They don't even want you to because then once you say that, they're like, I wish this guy didn't say that. And then you enter a whole new category of, of uh, interrogation, okay? That narrative should also be about your ability to support yourself while in the U.S. and it must show how your life back in Canada is not being left behind, okay? You cannot abandon your Canadian life. You're here as a non-immigrant. Again, it would help if you remember that all the business visas, whether the B1 with a maximum stay of 180 days or the E-visa with a minimum stay of uh, two years up to five years, that's renewable indefinitely, are non-immigrant visas. You must prove with your documents and have them show that as much as you have the financial strength to invest in the United States, under a U.S.-based business, you must also show evidence that you are not breaking ties with Canada. You must keep financial, family, investment, social, and even property ties in Canada. Whether you own a home or whether you rent a home, you gotta, you have to do that. When we first started traveling like this, we thought heavily about proving to immigration officers that we could support ourselves while in the U.S. However, they are equally interested as the visa category you are traveling on is non-immigrant to see that you have ample reasons to return to Canada if for any reason your business expedition to the U.S. falls by the wayside. Inside our Canadian-American dream uh, for Canadians, we have summed up years of our experience into helpful education videos developed from our business travels to the U.S. and the cautionary tales we have lived through. And we hope you learn from our mistakes so you don't have to make them again. Below, I will offer you my checklist for documents that you should carry with you that support your U.S. business expedition, but which also prove that you're not abandoning Canada for good. I've become aware of some Canadians whom I have been acquainted with over the years, and in recent months, they've been pushed by their friends in the U.S. to sell everything and leave Canada. Please don't do that. Canadian document checklist, personal bank account statements. If you don't have an existing business, 
but you're confident that you possess enough cash to support yourself for up to six months of U.S. stay, then I strongly recommend that you bring copies of your personal bank account statements from the previous six months. Most border officers will want to see the last three months, but you should be overprepared with this. Chances are in today's digital age, bank account statements are offered to you paperless, so you need to print them from your bank account online or go to a a bank branch before you leave Canada and have them do it if you don't have access to a printer. Personal financial holdings. A few years ago, when we began investing in our U.S. business, we used our cash savings to prove that we had enough liquid cash at our disposal to be in the U.S. for at least six months. You're not allowed to work for anybody else, even yourself when you're in the U.S. The whole point of the B-1 visa is for you to have lawful status to be present in the United States so that you can pursue ideas and find ways to invest money. It would be best if you were cautious of the fact that your personal financial holdings do not tell the whole truth about your cash flow and immigration officers know how to read financial documents. I have heard secondhand stories of people who have enormous amounts of money as part of their financial portfolios, which did not generate liquid cash for them each month or even periodically. The immigration officers know you will have expenses and know that your Canadian lifestyle costs will be much higher in the U.S. due to currency difference. So if you don't have a cash savings account or a significant financial investment portfolio from which you can draw money recently, you should do something back in, that back in Canada is paying you for an income during your U.S. stay. Tax documents. We've only ever been asked to show these documents twice and even then They were asking for them as supporting evidence for the other documents we brought in with us like the ones above. These are good to have as long as you have all the other documents we added to this checklist. But in our experience, your cash flow situation and savings are the most important and will suffice. If you have a uh, producing Canadian business, in our case, our Canadian income does not come from an actual brick and mortar location like a restaurant, a gym or a hair salon, for example. It comes from a series of investments we've made in financial instruments. They pay us monthly, but they're not brick and mortar business per se. However, suppose your name is attached to a Canadian business that produces an income itself and you're a majority stakeholder in that company, 25% or more. In that case, these documents will also be a great addition to everything else we have mentioned above. All Canadians we have consulted with so far have all either been 50% partners in a business or 100% owners of their own Canadian company. You must be able to show the company's incorporation papers and the bank statements and tax documents. While it is unnecessary to show or carry Canadian business documents, bring the documents with you if you own one or part of one. It will further legitimize your intent to travel as a business visitor. Another thing. Property you own or lease. The primary way to prove that you have established ties with Canada is to show documents that you own your home and investment property in Canada or a lease agreement if you're a tenant somewhere. I know, I know it doesn't make sense. Why would you be a tenant in Canada and pay for rent that you're not going to live there? But that's the thing. That's the whole point of the E2. That's part of the, the, the hurdle is that you have to actually have property ties. Additionally, you should also print out a copy of your last property tax statement and your electricity bill if they're in your name. Any bill, statement, or document that ties you back as a landlord or tenant to your primary residence in Canada will suffice. Customs and immigration officers are just as interested in your Canadian ties and your financial status there as much as they are in your intent and what you plan on doing in the U.S. Tip. 
organize your Canadian side of your documents in a way that makes it easy for them to take apart and scan or copy. We made a mistake previously of organizing our documents in a fancy way with binders and plastic sheets. You will be at the port of entry for a while. The more documents you have, so make sure that you keep them together with big clips. And if the papers are heavy enough, keep them as a raw stack with a rubber band around them. Okay, go old school. Another thing, international travel insurance. It is essential for you to have proof of travel insurance you have purchased for your trip. We didn't find it necessary to purchase six months of travel insurance up front. Still, when you approach the customs and immigration officer, if they ask, you should be able to produce a printed receipt or valid travel insurance for the first 30 days at least. Immigration officials know that provincial health insurance does not cover you inside the United States. They also know that you must carry a travel insurance policy from a Canadian private insurance provider or an American visitor insurance plan. Tip, there are several U.S.-based travel insurance providers that will happily insure you if you're unable for whatever reason to purchase Canadian private travel insurance. I actually think those are even better than the Canadian ones and cheaper. Check out AmericanVisitorInsurance.com. I don't get paid for this link. The guy that owns the website and the company, the insurance company, doesn't even know me. But it's really, really easy because you go on there, depending on your age, you'll pay somewhere around two to three hundred bucks for, for, for two people for, you know, five hundred thousand dollars coverage for the U.S. for emergency insurance. Unlike Canadian travel insurance providers who refuse to insure you for things like COVID, the American providers will happily do that. Okay. Now let's talk about the U.S. document checklist. You need to have the address where you'll be staying. The immigration officers need to know where you will be living during your stay in the U.S. If you think you're going to be living in multiple states, give them as many addresses as you can. It's not set in stone, but they need to have something for the computer. If you have rented a place to stay for the duration of your trip, you should bring with you a copy of the rental receipt if you rent it through Airbnb, for example, or a copy of release agreement from the landlord or property management company. In the past, we have stayed at properties where the landlord did not want to enter into a contract with us, but they did provide us with a short signed letter and their phone number written on that letter. Sometimes immigration officials like to call people you mentioned in your statements to verify what you're saying. It's kind of funny, but it happens. U.S. business documents, hope you have them. As I mentioned in the previous chapter, it is necessary down the road for you to establish business ties with the U.S. because it will make financial wire transfers, paying bills, purchasing inventory for your new U.S. business much, much easier. Everything you pay for out of your business account in the U.S. can at a later date be considered as part of your required investment for that e-visa you might want to pursue. This is why you don't want to pay out of your Canadian bank account, okay? One of the reasons we were denied an E-2 visa the first time around is because we made the mistake of paying for our U.S. business expenses with our Canadian accounts, not our business accounts. This caused the USCIS inside the U.S. to negate over $30,000 of our expenses and not recognize it as business investment because we had not transferred that money or committed it irrevocably, as they call it, to our U.S. business account before investing it. Okay, so please learn from our mistakes. That was an awful oversight on our end, and it would be best if you learn from our mistakes so you don't have to go through them. Your case and the probability of you being admitted into the United States rests on a combination of the words you choose to tell your story and the documents that back that story up. Remember, having a passport, a book flight, and a plan for your, where you'll stay in the U.S. is not enough reason for the immigration agents at the airport to stamp your passport and grant you B-1 entry, okay? You must be able to provide at least 
the documents that I listed in the checklist above. If you're missing some of the documents above, you may still have the opportunity to gain entry into the United States. I'm not saying that you won't without them, but please make sure you have most of them pre uh, presented to you on the checklist.